0: I love this time of the year. And to those of you that know me, it's no secret. And one of my favorite songs at this time of the year was actually written in 1963. And Andy Williams first recorded the song for his very first Christmas album. And the song is entitled, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. I mentioned this before services and a couple of people did request that I not sing it, so I won't. But the song is a celebration of the activities and it's a description of the activities associated with the Christmas season. And the primary focus is on getting together with friends and families and making memories. And this is also the time of year when the world at large prepares to celebrate for the birth of Jesus Christ. And for some people, this is the most wonderful time of the year. And for other people, it is the most stressful time of the year. And I would be the last person to add to anyone's stress, but in case you haven't done all your Christmas shopping, it's only three weeks from today That's Christmas Day. I just wanted to throw that out there for you. And if any of you need my sizes, I'll be glad to provide them for you. At this happy season of the year, when people are focused on family and Santa Claus and snowmen and all of that, the religious world is often celebrating the birth of Christ. And yet as we turn through the Bible, the Bible nowhere gives us the exact date of Christ's birth. And the Bible actually does not tell us to celebrate His birthday. And yet, in my mind, it is never out of place to think about Jesus Christ, to think about the birth of Jesus Christ, and to talk about the birth of Jesus Christ. Two thousand years ago, Jesus came into this world. And His Spirit has made a deeper impact than any other personality that's ever lived. And the Spirit of Jesus Christ pervades and permeates all realms of life. Every sphere of our lives has been influenced by Christ and Christianity. But you know the great tragedy of it? The great tragedy is that even for those who celebrate Christmas as the birth of Christ, it really doesn't change people's lives. You see, the purpose of Jesus coming into our world was to bring change to our world. The purpose of Jesus coming was to bring change in people's lives. Our life. On a daily basis, whether it's on the job, it's our relationship with our friends, our relationships with our families, our life should be transformed by Jesus Christ. That child that was born in Bethlehem's manger, whose birth is celebrated at this time of year, has grown to manhood. And we read that when He had grown to manhood, He spoke as never a man had spoken. He showed Himself to be the wisdom of God, and He showed Himself to be the power of God. He went to the cross for man's redemption, and He broke the bonds of death to set us free. Jesus has lifted empires off their hinges, and change the whole course of human history. And in spite of that, for vast multitudes of people, Jesus is a shadow without substance. The coming of Jesus should change the way you and I. I remember hearing one time about some folks that were having a discussion about the miracles of Jesus. And one individual said, well, you know, I have a really hard time believing that Jesus really did all that that they talk about in the Bible, all of those miracles they say He performed. And this person specifically said, I don't understand how Jesus could change water into wine. And a woman in the group spoke up and she said, I've seen Jesus do greater things than that. She said, I saw Jesus change a worthless drunk into a faithful, loving husband. I remember reading another story one time about an Amish farmer in Pennsylvania. And he and his son and his wife got in the buggy and rode into the city of Philadelphia for the very first time. And this old farmer and his son walked into a large office building, and there was this bank of elevators. And the old man was fascinated by it. He would see the doors open. He'd see somebody walk in, and a few minutes later, the doors open and somebody else would walk out. He looked at his son. He said, son, did you ever see anything like that? He said, no, Daddy, I've never seen anything like that before. It was just fascinating to him. And they're standing there watching this bank of elevators and this mid-50s woman who was rather large stepped into the elevator and the doors closed behind her. And about two minutes later, the elevator doors opened and there was this young girl in her 20s that looked like she had just stepped off the cover of Vogue magazine that Amish farmer turned to his son and said son go out to the buggy and get your mama I'm going to run her through that thing one time well Jesus can't do that kind of thing but it is amazing what Jesus Christ can do with a man or a woman submitted to his will I want us for a moment this morning to consider Saul of Tarsus Because if ever a man's life was transformed, his was. The exciting thing about it to me is if God can change Saul's life, God can change mine and He can change yours too. But God's strength is no less today than it was 2,000 years ago. God's purpose today is no different than God's purpose was then. There are many folks today who've never realized just what they could become if they would just let God rule their lives. We first meet Saul of Tarsus as Stephen is being stoned to death. Those participating in the stoning... It says they laid their clothes down at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul was consenting to his death. A lot of people have read that story through the years and said, well, you know, at least Saul wasn't actively participating. He just held their clothes. I have a bit of a different take on that. Saul was one of the greatest persecutors of this church the world had ever known. And I can see Saul as they've taken Stephen out of the city and they're going to stone him to death. Carol, have you ever stoned anybody? No, I've done it lots of times. Let me hold your coat. You throw a stone, Carol. You'll see what it's like. I don't see Saul just standing there holding the clothes. I see him as an active participant saying, I'll hold your coat. You've never done it. I've done it plenty of times. Because it says he was consenting to their death. He was part of the persecution that scattered the saints. It says he was making havoc of the church. That's what Dr. Luke tells us in Acts chapter 8. He was entering into houses and he was committing men and women to prison and to death. Dr. Luke says that he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against Christians. Well, he was on his way to Damascus, he had letters of authority from the high priest. He was going to be able to go to Damascus, and any Christians he found, he could bind them and bring them back to Jerusalem for trial. Well, on the way to Damascus, Saul came face to face with Jesus. A bright light shone in the way, and it knocked that great persecutor to his knees. And he heard a voice, but he didn't see anybody. And the voice said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. Jesus. Whom thou persecutest. And the next thing out of Saul's mouth. What would you have me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? The Lord spoke to him. He said, you go into the city. Go to the house on Straight Street. And you wait. And you'll get further instructions. He was blind. And he went into that house. He was taken to that house. And he waited for the preacher, a man by the name of Ananias, to come to him. And Saul tells us that when Ananias came and told him what to do, I was not disobedient, Saul said. And because of that encounter, because on that road to Damascus, God knocked him down, He beat him up, He made him over, And he named him Paul. And Saul the persecutor became Paul the preacher. What happened? What brought about that great change in his life? Can you and I have that kind of a change in our lives? Can that same thing happen today? The answer is a definite yes. The most important thing that ever happened to Saul of Tarsus was that he came face to face with Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is true of any of us. The most wonderful experience of our lives comes when we meet the Lord. It was that way with the young prophet by the name of Isaiah. He went to the temple, and he went in despondency, and he went in sorrow, And there in the temple, a transforming encounter came to him. And it turned this purposeless young man into one of God's greatest men. Describing the encounter, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. But that wasn't the end of the experience. It didn't end until he heard the Lord ask, Whom shall I send? And who will go for me? And Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. But for Isaiah, the whole experience started when he said, I saw the Lord. No man or woman on the top side of God's green earth can ever be the same after they meet Jesus. Now, there's the possibility they can become immeasurably worse. I've seen that happen. But there's also the possibility that they can become immeasurably better. Saul of Tarsus was never the same because that was the beginning of a new life for him. It was so important. It became the basis and it became the theme of everything that he wrote and everything that he preached. Because he knew that Jesus had transformed him, the chief of sinners. That's how he referred to himself. But he knew more than that. He knew that Jesus Christ will transform anyone who obeys his will. In later years, Paul wrote the story of his encounter, or told the story of his encounter to King Agrippa. This is how it reads in Acts chapter 26, beginning with verse 13. At midday, O King, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them that journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise, and stand on thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes. And to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. And inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. That is in me. That encounter. On the dusty road to Damascus. Changed the life of Saul of Tarsus. Jesus came to him on that Damascus road. He came to Isaiah in the temple. He came to Matthew on his job as a tax collector. He comes to you and to me today through His Word. And if we'll obey Him, guess what? Our lives will be transformed also. Saul came and he made a total surrender to Jesus Christ. After that... Dynamic encounter? Saul made a complete surrender. Maybe that's the problem with us sometimes. Maybe the reason that many times we don't have much of Christ and much of the Spirit of Christ in us is because we've never really given much of ourselves to Him. Maybe we've never really made a total, complete, unconditional surrender to Jesus to make a success in life, to really achieve the best results in life. We must totally surrender our stubborn human will to the divine will of Jesus Christ. It's not easy, but nobody ever said it would be, but it's essential. Anytime a man or a woman will make that total commitment, beloved, a transformation will take place. A transformation that is almost unbelievable. A total surrender to Jesus will transform an individual into a radiant, dynamic person. That's what was the case with Saul, and that can be the case with us in our own lives. We have not yet dreamed of what God could do with us if we would place ourselves unreservedly in His hands. It yet remains to be seen in our lifetime what one man or one woman totally committed to Jesus Christ could actually accomplish. Hear what I said? It yet remains to be seen in our lifetime What one man or one woman totally committed to Jesus could actually accomplish. Jesus spoke to Saul. He said, rise up on your feet. He fell face down in that dusty road and he said, who art thou, Lord? What do you want me to do, Lord? And God told him to go into the city, to the house of Judas on a street called Straight. And the Lord appeared for him for the purpose Of making him a minister and a witness. And he was going to open the eyes of those he came in contact with. He was going to deliver them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to the power of God. I want you to use your sanctified imagination. I want you by an eye of faith. I want you to see Saul as he lays his hand up on a man's shoulder. And he lays his hand on another man's shoulder. He's blind. And he has to be led to the house where God has told him to go. Because he's there and he's waiting for the preacher. And then, just as he had laid his hand on that man's shoulder, Jesus came and he placed his hand in the hand of Jesus Christ. And from that day forward, He was led by the hand of Jesus. He was led by the Lord. There were times the path was steep. There were times the path was rocky. There were times it was dangerous. There were times it was difficult. Saul became Paul. And he was determined to follow Jesus Christ. He'd made up his mind. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him. All the way. He was obedient to the voice of Jesus Christ. He was obedient to the will of God. He was obedient to the laws of God. He was obedient to the love of God. If you and I would follow Jesus, we've got to be obedient to Him, to His law, to His love, to His will. And if we are, if we live His kind of life, He's going to do for us just what he did for Paul to be sure just like that old Amish farmer in the elevator it's amazing what God can do with the man or woman today who's obedient to him and totally surrendered to his will and that wasn't the end of the story Saul was transformed By his continuing fellowship with Jesus Christ. This maturing in Christ didn't happen all at once. He wasn't a full-grown Christian all at once. It was a process. A process that took years and years to develop. But over time, he grew into greatness. Remember what he wrote in Galatians 6 and verse 9? He said, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due time we will reap if we do not faint. In that particular passage, he reveals one of the secrets of his great life. He refused to quit. He kept on going when others had fallen aside. He realized it wasn't about him. It wasn't about his felt needs. It wasn't about his desires. It wasn't about what he wanted. It was about Jesus and his work and about what was best for the spread of the gospel. And he continued to grow in maturity and find new understanding in this Christian faith. This was the apostle who admonished us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because Paul had found that to be essential. Beloved, being a Christian, it's an everyday renewal of the relationship with Jesus Christ. It's an everyday renewal of walking with Jesus. It's walking with Jesus every day. And that's what Paul did. He grew because of of his continuing fellowship with the living Christ. God can do great things with a man or a woman willing to submit to him. And just as God transformed Saul the persecutor into Paul the preacher, God can transform our lives just that same way. You've got to be willing to submit your will to the will of Jesus and become a Christian. In simple trusting faith, repenting of everything that's sin in your life, confessing His name and being baptized for the remission of those sins. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never done that. I would pray and beg you to do it before you leave this building this morning. And then maybe you did that once upon a time, but over the years it happens. Even with the best of intentions. It happens that our stubborn will. Crowds out the will of Jesus from our lives. Sometimes we actually come to a place where. We think it's all about us. Instead of all being about the Lord. Would you come back to the Lord if you've left him? Would you this morning. If you need to make changes. If there's something that needs to be done to transform your stubborn will into the will of God. If there are changes you need to make for Jesus to be the Lord and Master of your life. Can we help you with making those changes? We'd like to have the opportunity to do that. as together we stand and while we sing.